Hey everybody, welcome back to Steve's NRL Footy Tips for Round 11. I'm your host, Stephen Westway, fresh off Magic Round 2022. That's right, all the games took place at Suncorp Stadium throughout the weekend. It was another great event for the NRL and some good footballers played. There were some upset victories. We're going to discuss everything in Round 9. We're going to recap and I'm going to give you my Team of the Week momentarily. I'm also going to talk about the news that have broke over the last day, and that's the departure of Trent Barrett from the Canterbury Bulldogs, effective immediately. It looked like it was a situation where Trent had to either resign or he was going to be sacked as coach. He basically had the rug pulled out of him, and his time at the Canterbury Bulldogs has come to an immediate end. What does that mean for the Bulldogs? Will they get a, uh, a full-time coaching quick, or will it be a process that has to begin and uh, where they kind of interview applicants and we won't see the results until round one next year where their full head, their full-time head coach will start. Will we have interim coaches for the rest of the year? Um, no news as of yet as I record this podcast at four o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, but it was definitely one of those situations where, you know, Trent Barrett's coaching record there at the Bulldogs, it hasn't been outstanding. He's Basically got 11 or 12% winning record, 5 out of 30 or 6, no, 5 out of 35 games coached it was for Trent, um, winning record. So, you know, things definitely weren't going right up there. Something needed to change. It looks like the Bulldogs have gone backwards over the past few weeks since that Roosters victory. And Ryan Girdler said as much on Triple M's Saturday scrum on their weekly podcast, Triple M. But And I, I basically echo his sentiments that... You know, the Bulldogs seem to rely on Matt Burton and Matt Burton solely to create attacking opportunities, and defensively, they're all over the shop, and Trent Barrett seemed to run out of answers. He indicated as much in the press conference following that defeat to the Knights last Friday night, and, you know, when you look at it overall, the big picture for the Bulldogs, he had to be moved on. Obviously, during the media this week, there's been talk about, you know, Phil Gould and his role that he played in the departure of Trent Barrett, and two weeks ago on his podcast, he said, Trent Barrett will be the long-term coach, and there's no way I'm going to sack him, and basically, it's been a media circus since that point. Phil Gould's one of the most respected men in the history of rugby league, what he did for, you know, Penrith, what he did for the Roosters, what he did in the Super League war for the ARL when they're at war against the Super League, and what he did for the New South Wales Blues, and just in commentating and, and for Channel 9 in general, cannot be understated that he's an absolute legend of the game. And I don't want to, you know, put my spin on it in terms of what I think might have happened, but obviously some something's gone wrong there. Either Phil Gould wasn't in a position to say Trent Barrett's job was safe, or... He never had Trent Barrett's back to begin with. And, you know, as I said, I don't want to speculate either way. But, you know, all eyes are going to be on Phil Gould at the Bulldogs moving forward because of this. All eyes are going to be on Trent Barrett and his future in the game. Will he continue being a head coach? And obviously there's going to be a lot of pressure on the next man in for the job, whether it's an interim coach and especially on their next full-time head coach. Uh, they need results there, the Bulldogs. They seem to have lost their culture. They've lost their way. They haven't been a competitive side for many years now, probably since, what, 2015, 2016. So it's obvious that some immediate changes had to be made. It's obviously some, it's obvious that some huge changes need to be made to their personnel and their players. I think that Matt Dufty and Paul Vaughan have been reported to be on their way out and going to Super League at the end of the season. 
Tevita Pengai Jr.'s futures in doubt. And Matt Burden has a player option in his favour after 2023 where he can explore other options. So the Bulldogs are a mess at the moment. The on-field stuff is just the least of their concerns. But in that regard, they haven't improved at all this season. They've gone backwards. A lot of fans had expectations that they could either challenge or make the top eight this year due to their all their huge signings. And looking at the team list, it doesn't look like much has changed this week. So it's going to be interesting to see how that saga unfolds in the coming weeks. But whether it's Phil Gould or the rest of the board there at the Bulldogs, they need to make some big changes. And they need to make sure that whatever changes they make, are almost immediately successful, or at least an improvement on the Trent Barrett era as head coach of the club. Otherwise, those board members, and Phil Gould in particular, are going to be a lot of, on a, under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of pressure moving forward. So that's my thoughts on the Trent Barrett situation. He was a great player for a long period of time. His tenure at Manly didn't go well when he was head coach there, I believe, in 2017 and 2018. And it's it's been even worse for the Bulldogs. So... You know, if he's passionate about coaching, I hope he gets another gig in the NRL somewhere along the line, either as an assistant coach or as a head coach in the future. But at the moment, I think that, you know, he's got to be looking at the positives, and that's that he's out of this kind of unwinnable situation that we've seen play out uh, at the Canterbury Bulldogs over the last few months. So that's my thoughts on the Trent Barrett situation. And as I mentioned, we're going to recap round 10 and my footy tips last week. They weren't fantastic. Um... Four out of eight. I was three out of three to start the round. And I was really confident heading into the rest of the week. And then I heard that Jerome Hughes had been ruled out at the Storm. And obviously Penrith put a number on them. And the other games didn't really go my way either. The Cowboys salvaged a four out of eight score. But it's obvious that I'm not performing at the moment. I need some help. So anybody that's got any advice in, in getting these games right, I'd appreciate it. My perfect round from about a month ago seems like an eternity away now. And... I think it's as good as time as any to announce a big announcement on the show, and I'll announce it at the end of the show as well and, and recap it. But in two weeks' time for round 13, obviously that's going to be a short round due to state of origin and those players' selections, and half the teams in the NRL will have their first and only buy of the season. But I'm, as I mentioned, I need help in terms of getting these tips correct. So what I've done is I've gone in, got some help, and on... It's going to be called the... Uh, it might be over the course of two shows. I might split it in half. But it looks like what I'm going to be doing is it's going to be a spectacular panel. It's going to be, you know, a, an all-star cast of people that have been on the guest... Um, been on the podcast in the past. And I can announce Matt Coser is going to be the first guest on that show. And it's going to be a Round 13 State of Origin 1 preview special. So make sure you check that out in a fortnight. But as I said, Round 9 features some big upsets and... The team of the week this week was really hard to put together because there were some standout performers and surprisingly, two teams have really dominated this team of the week. And at fullback, I've got Jaden Campbell from the Gold Coast Titans. I thought that he really stepped up in his return to the NRL. Him and Tyrell Sloan had a bit of a battle throughout the games in terms of both of them looked a little bit shaky under the high ball because they hadn't played too much too much first grade this year. But I thought Campbell, 266 metres, a lot of tackle breaks. He was threatening all night. And, you know, in a week that we usually have all these standout and star fullbacks in the game, it seemed like they took a little bit more of a step back this week in the halves 
were the more dominant playmakers this round. So interesting there. But Jaden Campbell is my fullback of the week. All right, moving on to my wings of the week. And I've gone Corey Oates and Selwyn Cobbo from the Broncos. Five tries between the pair of them. Cobbo got three. Corey Oates got two. Cobbo is a special talent, a good young kid with a bright future by the looks of it in the NRL. And he could be, you know... On the knocking on the door of representative football this year, Corey Oates, on the other hand, what a resurgence he has had in the NRL this year, and he's looking like you know the fittest he's ever been. He's basically said that much, and he's also looking like he's you know in better match form than he's ever been in the NRL. And if you go back twelve to eighteen months ago, he was pretty much on his way out of the NRL, and nobody really knew if he was going to continue his his career and his trade in the Australian Rugby League system, and those talks that he might have had to go over to overseas to the Super League, but he's really answered the critics and worked on his games, especially his defence, and Cobbo and Oates were a big part of the Broncos' 38-0 victory, dominant victory over the Manly Seagulls. In the centres, I've gone Isaac Targo from the Panthers, two tries, set another one up, and we all know the raps on this kid. He's a rookie with... A huge future in the NRL, and the fact that he's made that centre position in his own at Penrith has been, um, you know, really just based on his hard work and that that game against the Storm to step up and do it against you know the benchmark of the competition. They weren't at their best the Storm, but the Panthers are really good in that thirty-two to six victory. And it's uh, Isaac Targo, in my opinion, was the man of the match in the game. Other centre is Joseph Suali. Obviously, he is a winger there for the Roosters, but I thought he needed some recognition again this week. Two tries. He's a great finisher. He's really upping the ante in terms of his workload every week heading into matches. And, you know, that was a criticism early in his career, but I think he's improving it as he gets better. 155 metres, two offloads, two line breaks. He was everywhere on the field for the Roosters, and it was a huge upset victory over the Eels on Sunday afternoon. All right, heading into the set in the house, I've got Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds, the old CF Sydney connection. Obviously, no longer together, but they did, they were able to uh, catch up over the last few weeks. And Cody Walker, free try assist, really dominated when CF were on top of that first half against the Warriors. Obviously, they had a huge second half collapse, CF Sydney, and we'll talk about that later on the show. But when CF were in control of that game, it was due to the great work by Cody and. He was just making things happen that we haven't seen this year. He was looking a lot more similar to the Cody Walker of 2021, and that's what CR City need if they're going to challenge for the top eight this year. And You know, that captaincy promotion when, when Keir Murray got hurt and they had to pick the next captain, they went to Cody Walker, and they got the desired response because that's what he needs to be doing week out, week in, week out for CR Sydney or, you know, their season is going to be hanging on a thread if Cody Walker's not at his best. Adam Reynolds, as I mentioned, he's my halfback of the week. He has just been in scintillating form. I think, you know, all the talk is on Cleary and Hines and, you know, Reynolds is getting to talk about the by the year, but I think Reynolds is a potential halfback of the season at the moment. And I think that he has just elevated this Broncos side, him and Kirk Cape. Well, he was outstanding again in that huge win over Manly. And I tip Brisbane and came, but they were the underdogs and Reynolds... You know, chip and chase, taking the line on himself. He's doing stuff that we haven't seen Reynolds do for quite some time. He's in almost career best form there at Brisbane, and, and it's amazing because obviously CS Sydney and other people were, you know, really talking about how many years does Adam Reynolds have left. He's got injury problems. Is he going to be able to play at a consistently consistent high level for the next couple of seasons? He's answered those critics without a doubt. Um, you know, kicking 40-20s, just being everywhere in the field. And, 
the impact that he's had on the Broncos and these young forwards, him and Kurt Capewell, not to be understated. And for me, I, I picked him in the top eight at the start of the year. I've seen nothing to deter that opinion. They are flying at the moment, the Brisbane Broncos. In my forward pack, I've gone David Klemmer and Tavita Totola as my props. Uh, David Klemmer, over 200 metres. I think he's constantly been Newcastle's best over the past month. And another big performance on the weekend. It was a scrappy game against the Bulldogs. Newcastle managed to score a few tries and get the win. But Clemens' hard work through the middle of the field really helped get them momentum early in the contest. Totola at South Sydney, same thing. He really got in the back of the whole team you know, starting strong against the Warriors. And his hard work through the middle, I think, got a little bit understated. Great performance. His best performance of the year to be the Totola. My hooker of the week is Ruben Cotter from the North Queensland Cowboys. Now, he didn't play hooker on Sunday night, but he is a traditional hooker. Wherever you put him in the forward pack, he has stepped up this year, and he's a smoky for State of Origin. He's doing so much hard work on the footy field, and, you know, the Cowboys are the surprise packages of 2022, and Ruben Cotter and the rest of these young forward pack, uh, you know, getting behind the likes of Jason Tamalolo are a huge reason for the Cowboys' resurgence in 2022. My second rivals of the week, Hudson Young from the Raiders, I thought was terrific in, in their win over the Cronulla Sharks. Scored a try, plenty of metres, and really got the, the Raiders' space out on those edges. Isaiah Pabalihi uh, from Parramatta, for me, and for mine, is the performer of the week. Two tries, everywhere on the footy field. He was determined to uh, help elevate his Parramatta side to a victory. It wasn't a B, but 178 metres, 36 tackles, two tries, dominant performance by who has basically became become one of the, if not the premier second rower in the comp at the moment, in Isaiah Papalihi. Pat Carrigan is my lock of the week. I thought he was superb in his return last week against South Sydney, but this week I thought he was equally as important in the Broncos' big win over the Manly Seagulls. And, you know, one of the best forwards they've got going, and, and he's only played, you know, he's only played for a few years, Carrigan, but he's became a real leader in that forward pack for Brisbane. On my bench, a lot of Gold Coast Titans. Mo Fodawaker, Tino Fasilamali, both big performers, um, making a lot of metres through the middle, both over 200 metres in that big victory over the St. George Royal Dragons. AJ Brimson makes my team as well. He was the most dangerous player on the field in, in that victory over the Dragons. And I think, you know, scoring a try, setting up a try, really took the pressure off Sexton. I think that he's... You know, was fantastic there at fullback, and I questioned the switch to five eight, but I thought he really stood and stood up and delivered in that performance on Saturday afternoon. Jerome Luai is my other bench player from the Panthers, superb in their big victory over the over the Melbourne Storm and New South Wales fans everywhere will want that to continue heading into State of Origin because Luai's got a bit a bit in his game where he can drift in and out of the contest. But when Luai's at his best, the Panthers are at their best and the Blues will be at their best if he carries that form over. So that is my team of the week for round 10. I know it's been a long opening. We've covered the Trent Barrett drama, the team of the week, recapped round 10. But it's now time to get into Steve's NRL free tits for round 11. But before we do, please make sure you're liking the Facebook page at Steve's NRL Footy Tips. We are just over 650 likes. Please continue to help the podcast grow. Subscribe wherever you guys listen to your favorite podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. We've got plenty more football to talk about for the rest of the season. We're not even halfway through yet. Origins around the corner. The best way to stay notified is through Steve's and our own footy tips on Facebook. All right, let's kick off round 11, and the action all kicks off on Thursday night. And the action of round 11 all kicks off on Thursday night. 
back to our traditional programming because it is, you know, round 11 and not a magic round. But the action kicks off at McDonald Jones Stadium up there in Newcastle. The Newcastle Knights getting their first win in a significant period of time last weekend over the Canterbury Bulldogs. They've got a tough task this week, though, because they're playing one of the red-hot sides in the competition at the moment, in the Brisbane Broncos. The Broncos' dominant 38-0 victors over the Manly Sea Eagles last Friday night. And big in for the Newcastle Knights. They signed him about a month ago after the allegations were dropped and he was found innocent. And Anthony Milford will line up for the Newcastle Knights um, in a big boost to the club. They also get Tyson Frizzell back in. Dane Gagai is on the extended bench as he works his way back from injury. So a lot of ins there for Newcastle. Kurt Meehan also another one that could be included in the coming weeks. So they've got troops back. They've needed it. Mitch Barnett came back last week for them and I don't think Newcastle were fantastic in that victory against the Canterbury Bulldogs last Friday night but it was a victory they sorely needed. It took the pressure a little bit off Adam O'Brien. And, you know, Kalen Ponga still not playing his best football, but he looks like he's interested. He looks like he's getting more involved as weeks go on and looks like he's getting closer to being fully fit, which is what we want to see for Kalen Ponga, especially if you're a Newcastle fan. So they know that that's to be good this weekend because Brisbane, being they have had, other than the Cowboys, they have the biggest improvements, improvements in 2022. Reynolds is just playing on another level as at the moment, which I mentioned a little bit earlier on the show. And, you know, he's just... The confidence that he has at the moment to chip and chase, take on the line. He always is doing his best to make a difference on the field in terms of that he will try things and he will... You know, if, if things aren't working, he's not afraid to change it up at him. And, you know, it's just a credit to him as a professional. He's been playing rugby league in the top grade for over 10 seasons now, but he just seems to be improving every game. And for me, he is the halfback of the season so far. Hell, he could be a smoky for the Dalian medalist this season. That's how good a form Adam Reynolds is in. And the Broncos have just gathered around him and Kirk Capewell that have come to the club, and they were just bashing Manly last week. They didn't give Manly a chance to play well. They were poor Manly, but Brisbane didn't allow them to get in that contest. I think Tia Marie Martin's been a good inclusion at the back. He's still getting back to his best after returning from retirement, but I think he's really helped the team get some stability there. Cobbo and, and Oates are just, are just finishing tries out of this world at the moment, and Staggs and Farmer are for giving them good footy. So, I mean, that's not even speaking of Kurt Capel on the forward pack. Payne Huss, Carrigan have really, you know, been the leaders for a long period of time, but Capewell's came in, and he's elevated the game with some of these young guys. Jensen... Kobe Heverington, Palacia, and Ricky all playing some of their best football of their career. So it's just a credit to what Kevin Walters has been managed to build up at Brisbane over the past two seasons. Obviously, last season wasn't a year to remember for Brisbane, but it was an important year in rebuilding, getting the foundations right. They appointed Ben Iken into the head job there, one of the head jobs there anyway, at, at Brisbane. And it just seems like the pieces are starting to come together and this forward pack, I mentioned it last week on the show, I think they can be a dominant force for years years to come if they can keep you know the majority of these young players. And it almost seems like we're starting to get back to the old days of a dominant Brisbane Broncos side. And that's a worrying time for Newcastle because, as I mentioned, they're just doing all the effort areas correctly, the Broncos, this season. Whether they're winning games or losing games, they're competing in every play. And I can't say the same about Newcastle at the moment. I feel like... 
They just don't have the meters in them at the moment. I mean, Clemmer's been enormous for them, but he needs some help. I need guys like Saifidi and Frizzell to really step up, give Clemmer a hand, and because territory battle against Brisbane, the way these forwards are flying, if they get over the top of Newcastle early in this game, I just don't see Newcastle recovering, and I just don't know if Newcastle have the resilience at the moment to be able to fight back and and claw their way back into a contest if they're down early. And I just think Brisbane, as I mentioned, they they flogged CF Sydney. They flogged Manly in the past two weeks. And I think both Manly and CF Sydney are a better team than Newcastle at the moment. I expect the trend to continue. I expect Brisbane to be big winners in this game. I've got Brisbane by 30 points to kickstart round 11. Friday night football kicks off with a game that was always destined to be the 6pm Friday night game based on these two teams' forms this season when the West Tigers versus the Canterbury Bulldogs from Leichhardt Oval at 6pm. And as I mentioned, to kick off the show, Trent Barrett is gone from the Canterbury Bulldogs immediately. And it's going to be very interesting to see the changes um, that you know the interim coach, whoever that may be, we still don't know who's in charge of the Bulldogs this week will make to the club. Now, they've named their lineup, you know, to, to start the week, and Matt Dufty remains a fullback despite rumours that the Fox Josh Adokar will take his spot. Mostly unchanged. Brett Naden has left to go to the Tigers immediately. That is breaking news. Naden could line up for the Tigers against his old club, the Bulldogs, this weekend. Waddell is also out for them, but... I do not trust this lineup because I think that whoever comes in is going to definitely make their own spin. And with 25 players to choose from, I feel like there could be some significant changes to this Bulldogs team come game day. They're versing a Tigers side that were, com- were competitive in terms of they fought hard in that win over the Cowboys. Uh, that sorry, that loss over the Cowboys last weekend. But realistically, they were never in the game, and they lost a lot of players early. They showed a bit of resilience to stay in the contest, but. You know, they're just getting outclassed by superior opposition at the moment, and the Bulldog, and we all know how the Cowboys are going this year. Simpkins and Luke Brooks out this week as well. Jock Madden will partner Jackson Hastings in the halves. Starfield Tower is still fullback. Junior Tapia made his debut on the wing there for the Tigers last week. He will keep that spot heading into round 11. This one's just going to be a DR contest. I mean, the Tigers. They started to show something, you know, three to four weeks ago. I feel like they've lost their way the last couple of weeks. They're still competing on plays, but I just feel like that urgency and, you know, that desire to win football games that we saw a few week- weekends ago haven't been there. And, you know, Michael Maguire, this team's not really doing him any favours in terms of getting a contract renewal. That's very unlikely as the season goes on. And, you know, we don't want to see what happened to Trent Barron, happened to Michael Maguire, but realistically... This team is, you know, three wins out of ten, and I can't tell you realistically the next time I think that the Tigers will get on the win on the board. So, um, very concerning there for, for Michael McGuire. He needs to, you know, change the tune somehow. Actually, they only won two games. I don't know why I said three games. They lost that game to the Dragons a couple of weekends ago. So, you know, it's going to be a... If they're going to miss one game of the week, it's going to be the Tigers versus the Bulldogs because this is going to be a car crash regardless of who's even coaching the Bulldogs. As I mentioned, we don't even know who's the coach this week of one of the football teams that are going out there. So, you know, I've, it's a toss of the coin. Can the Bulldogs respond to all this, you know, media spotlight throughout the week? They could, and a lot of teams do after a coach departures. They really fire up and, and show, you know, that the club still has, you know, fire in their bellies and, and desire to come out and compete every week. But 
how can you trust the Bulldogs with the mess they're in at the moment? Matt Burden's only one man. I haven't seen many players, you know, get around him. Matt Dufty, if he plays in this game, I'll be very shocked because he is not playing a first-grade standard. A lot of their forwards aren't playing a first-grade standard. And I've just got to go the way of the Tigers due to the fact that at least the Tigers are showing a little bit more promise at this point in their season. Sure, they've lost the last few games. Their season's not looking good. But I feel like they know this is a winnable game, and I feel like they know this is a very important game in relation to their season. This could be the battle of the wooden spoon. So, you know, the Tigers, I feel like they're going to be up for it. They're they're missing a few. Luke Brooks is a bit of a loss there, but I feel like, as I mentioned, they're competing on plays more than the Bulldogs at the moment, and the Bulldogs have just gone backwards in my eyes. I've got the Tigers by 16 points to kickstart Friday Night Football. All right, with that stinker out of the way, it's time to get back to some more entertaining football, and that's when the Parramatta Eels host the Manly Seagulls at 7.55pm from Combank Stadium up there in Parramatta on Friday night. Both these two teams coming off around 10 losses for the Eels. What can we say? We've said it on the show many times. It was the stereotypical Parramatta beat, you know, a premiership favourite. In this situation, two weeks ago, they beat the Penrith Panthers, the benchmark of the competition, and the reigning defending premiers, only to back it up the next week with a loss. Admittedly, it was to the Sydney Roosters who were really fired up to start the game, but if Parramatta want to be treated as a serious premiership threat, they've got to be more consistent. They show they can beat the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. They're the only team to beat both of those two teams in the competition. The only other team that beat the Storm is the Panthers, and the Panthers haven't lost to anyone but Parramatta, but... You know, it's just stereotypical Parramatta. They just, I don't know where their head's at sometimes. And they were much better in the second half. They made a game of it. I thought they were going to get over the top of the Roosters late and, and steal the victory. And don't get me wrong, the Roosters at their best. And they were pretty good last weekend. Are a good football team. But, you know, as I mentioned, if, if Parramatta want to break this hoodoo or 36 years win their first premiership, they've got to be in contests for 80 minutes consistently, and we didn't see that last week. So I expect a big response from Parramatta this week. Their key men, um, you know, need to be better. I thought Brian had his quietest game of the year last week. I thought Guffo wasn't at his best. Moses stepped up in the second half, but their forward pack, I think the Roosters um, got over the top of them. So I'm expecting a bounce back from the likes of Campbell, Gillard, Paulo, and Madison. Now, we know Isaiah Papalihi was enormous, but they need to gather around him and help him out a little bit this week. They've also mainly seen your side that were completely dominated last week. That's the only way you can put it. Ben Jurovic is out from AC joint. And Tom Jurovic, as we saw last weekend, was pretty much busted and and didn't look fit out there. And, you know, his quads were all iced up after the game. Des Hasler, he might be playing smoke and mirrors in terms that he said that Tom Jurovic is right and he's, he's getting back to his best football, but he should be right to play this week. He has been named this week and, you know, Tom Strojevic or no Tom Strojevic at his best, mainly just have to be better all around because defensively they weren't up for the contest. They missed a lot of tackles and Brisbane were great and they, they pushed them Brisbane and they bashed them, but mainly just didn't show any resistance in defense and, and Brisbane just stormed their way over for so many tries. And, you know, with the football in hand, their forward pack didn't really fire a shot and, Cherry Evans and Foran and the like couldn't get into the game when the likes of Alloway, Kepi, Olukwatu, Davy, Jake Roy, which we know they've got some great players out of the names I just listed, but when your forward pack's only giving you 30, 40 metres a game, and that might be you know a direct result of the outside backs and Tom Troy not being 100% and not 
getting them early yardage in their sets. But if you're only making 30 to 40 metres to set at the end of the day, you're not going to win many footy games. And Brisbane dominated possession. They dominated, you know, field advantage and, and, and territory, and they end up putting a huge scoreline on Manly. And Des Hasler won't be happy with that performance. He will expect a big bounce back this week. These two teams have such a rich history, a rich rivalry against each other, dating back to the 80s and earlier, but the 80s in particular, where they played in some huge contests and... You know, they were two, two of the best teams of the 80s, those two and the Bulldogs. And, um, you know, I expect it to be fireworks. I expect Manly to be a lot better. I expect Parramatta to be a lot better. And, you know, obviously, I still think Parramatta are a genuine chance to win this premiership. They just have to be consistent. It's got to start week in, week out if they're going to do any damage in the finals. And this is a game they should win. I mean, Manly, we, we haven't seen them at their best all season, in my opinion. And, you know, if Tom's not 100% fit, then Parramatta's kicking game is going to be crucial, and the kicking game, Mitchell Moses. I think, as I mentioned, Manly's forward pack will be better, and they'll be up for the contest, but I just got Parramatta, um, you know, if they play anywhere near their best, I think they should get the two points, and I also expect a, a, a big response from their forwards as well, and some of their big leaders in Clint Gufson and Dylan Brienne. So it's going to be a big battle at the front, front a, fiery, a fiery battle for Manly. If they're going to win this contest, they've got to get over the top of the Eels forward pack and put pressure um, on their playmakers, especially defensively early in the contest. But I just think Parramatta's got more to offer at the moment, and I've got Parramatta by 12 points against a Manly Seagull side that is slowly losing grip of the top eight. Time for my favourite time of the week, and that is Super Saturday, and the action all kicks off at 3pm at Nostrata Jubilee Stadium at Congra. It seems like it's been a while since we played there, but the Dragons are going to host the New Zealand Warriors, and both of these two teams also coming off losses uh, in round 10, and for the Dragons, it was a game that kind of slipped away from them against the Gold Coast Titans. The Titans out enthused them early in that game, in that first half, the Dragons had a good foot a comeback and the way that they were able to defend, defend the Titans despite the Titans building so much pressure on the Dragons goal line was impressive and I thought well the Dragons you know they're going to be able to come out in this second half and, and get the two points but despite some controversial calls that I think there was some in their defeat and I think that you know the Titans defenders definitely attacked the legs and the Dragons should have got a penalty in Golden Point and won their game. They shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. They should have been better all round and they should have beat the Gold Coast Titans, especially considering the form the Titans had been in that game. But credit to the Titans. They came out fired up. I think all that defending and all that holding out the Titans in that first half may have, you know, fatigued the Dragons. I'm sure it did, but they just seemed to act... Uh, they seemed to lack the... You know, resiliency and the the want and, you know, the urgency to get those two points last weekend against the Titans. So they're going to have to be better this week, the Dragons. And Tyrell Sloan, yet again, found himself in the outer. He was, he was a late inclusion last week. He started the game at fullback this week. Cody Ramsey comes back in and he'll take the fullback spot. Amone and Ben Hunt will be the halves. And by still playing that hooker role with Andrew McCulloch out, and Jaden Sullivan keeps that 14 on his back. So, um, big week for the Dragons because they also find themselves in a position just like a couple of these other teams where they're, you know, around that top eight mark, but they're four wins, six losses. This is a game that definitely should be winnable against the New Zealand Warriors. So, they need to make sure that they're making the most of their opportunities because 
despite the Warriors, their big second half effort, and we'll talk about them in a second, but despite that, they are known to concede a lot of points, the Warriors, and you can really push them um, if you can control the footy, um, you can score some points pretty easily, and the Dragons need to take advantage of that this week. Um, but as I mentioned, they're versing a Warriors side that they were terrible in the first half against CS Sydney. CS Sydney were just getting over the top of them and, and scoring tries at will. And then in the second half, they really showed some fight. And credit to Nathan Brown um, for you know keeping them focused on the performance. And you know at thirty two sixty, and that's an excuse to kind of shut. Uh, that, that can be an excuse for some of these players to turn off and, and concede a lot of points quickly, like the Warriors have been known to do in 2022. I mean, look at that 70-point drilling at the hands of Melbourne a few weeks ago for Anzac Day. But to their credit, um, they completed the, they, they say in the contest they completed it highly. Seas were very poor in that second half, just like the Warriors were in the first half. But they were better overall. And, you know, they've got some troops back this weekend as well. We saw Toru Harris come back last week from the bench. He's going to start this week and um, going to make a big difference. You and Aiken probably their best performer of the year's coming in, um, back in the second row. So their forward back gets a big boost there. Jesse Arthur's not far away, and he was in good form early in the year for him as well, out there in the centres. And Chanel Harris-Tavita's not far away from coming back from his groin injury. So um, which creates a bit of a headache for me, because Johnson, I don't think, is playing good football this year, and I don't think it's been the homecoming he's wanted. But um, especially in that, that Sharks game two weeks ago, he should have iced the game and... I think his position should be under a bit of pressure because Dejan Arcee's came over from the Cowboys and he's playing superb football. So to drop him uh, for Channel Harris-Tavita, and I think he needs to be in the the team somewhere, Harris-Tavita, I think would be a mistake. Sean Johnson's the one that needs to lead this team around, needs to find ways to get them in the game, especially their forward pack can get on top of this big Dragons pack as well. It's going to be a big battle at the front, but... Johnson, this is what he's paid to do. He's paid to get the Warriors over the line and winning games of football. If he can't do that, I'd be trusting and and trying out the partnership of Arcee and Harris-Tavita. So that's just an option there for the Warriors. But again, like the Dragons, they've got four wins, six losses. So it's an important game to kickstart Saturday. This might be one of the most important games of the weekend. Both the teams need the two points. I'm actually going to go the upset and go the Warriors because... I like the resiliency they showed last week. You never know what you're going to get with both of these teams in terms of consistency and whether they're going to be in contest. Both got destroyed by the storm. Both have been, you know, out of contests and, and down in, in games this year. But the Warriors at the moment, I think they've got a little bit more firepower for the Dragons. I don't know if this is going to be a defensive contest, but I think Reese Walsh is getting better as the season progressed. And I mentioned Arcee has to be in this team. If he's in this team, I think that he can cause a lot of damage and their forward packs getting early, uh, getting the game early. I think the Dragons could be up against their backs a little bit because I think there's some explosiveness in these playmakers for the Warriors. So I've got the Warriors by six points in a bit of an upset. As I mentioned, it's such an important game for both teams in relation to their 2022 seasons. Super Saturday continues at 5.30pm, and if you had told me at the start of the year that this was going to be a mouth-warning contest, I would have called you crazy. But the Cowboys, up there at Queensland Country Big Stadium, their home, hosting the Melbourne Storm, and man, the Cowboys' form this season have has surprised the hell out of me. I had them as wooden spooners, but they keep turning up playing good football, their young forwards have really been a big difference maker and the experience of Chad Townsend and his role in developing the young Tom Dearden and making him a genuine playmaker has been terrific. Adding Drinkwater, Valentine Holmes and 
um, the like, Peter Hickey's being good as well, Kyle Felt and the Hammer for Doe coming off the bench. They're just in electric form at the moment, the Cowboys. They weren't at their best in that victory over the Tigers. And Todd Payton found it as an opportunity in the second half to give some of these players like Drinkwater, um, who's been sharing the role with the Hammer at the fullback position over the past few weeks. But he found a, a way to give Drinkwater and Tamalolo a bit of an early mark. And, um, you know, well-deserved. Um, I think Tamalolo got a bit of a head knock earlier in the game. But, um, you know, good to give them a little bit of a freshen up heading up into this big game against the Melbourne Storm because the Storm, they were not at their best against the Panthers on Saturday night. And, you know, as someone that tipped them, um, I think the loss of Jerome Hughes was huge. And I'm not saying it's bigger than the loss of Ryan Papahiasen, but you take those two, both of those weapons out of the team, and we all know the, the form Papahiasen has been in this year. 10 tries, the, the top try scorer, to the top point scorer, and he didn't play last week in the competition. So it shows you how much he's flying, and he's just making... So much happened at the back there at the Storm when he's on the field. But, um, you know, they put Tyron Wishart in there. And I'm amazed they've named him again there this week because he's not a genuine fullback. I, I think he's more familiar in the hooker and the half roles. But, um, I, you know, he, he tried his best Wishart and it just wasn't his night last Saturday night. They've stuck with him. And it's credit to Craig Bellamy whether they'll run out that way. I'm um, not convinced, but... With him playing fullback and, and Cooper Johns coming into the house because Hughes was ruled yet, I think that what Hughes does to the team, or Pabbyhausen takes pressure off Munster and Hughes and, and they can play their natural game, but take out Hughes from that team as well. And Cameron Munster doesn't have the freedom that he usually has because Cooper Johns doesn't have that first grade experience too much, you know, as of recent times over the past year or so. He hasn't played much in the in the top grade, and Munster has to do a little bit more of that playmaking duties. His kicking game's got to, you know, really steer the storm around the field, and he doesn't get to play that natural running game of his because he's got other priorities. He's trying to lead this storm team around, but, um, you know, what Hughes does is he does the majority of the kicking. He's the man there at halfback, so when he's on the field, it makes a huge difference, and it just is a shame because I, I would love to see the Panthers versus the Storm at full strength. Now, am I saying the Storm still win that game if if they're full if they've got Pat Hassan and Hughes on board? No, but I'm saying it gets a lot closer. And you know what really lost the Storm the game last Saturday night was their forward pack. Six of the Penrith Panthers forwards gained over 100 meters in that contest. Nobody from the Melbourne Storm did uh, in terms of their forward pack. And Trent Lorero, who's been an up-and-comer for, for a couple of seasons now, off the bench, was good for the Storm, really good. He made 96 metres. He contributed well. After him, out of all their forwards, their next top-performing forward was Kenny Bromwich, who made 68 metres. If you're getting dominated through the middle of the field that much by your opposition, you're not going to win many football games, if any at all to any team, and I'm including the Bulldogs, the Tigers, etc. When you're versus the benchmark of the competition in Penrith, that is not good enough, and it's a it's a weird sign to see that from a Melbourne Storm team, and Craig Bellamy was filthy with the loss. I'm sure he was. It was their biggest loss since 2014, a 32-6 defeat. I feel for the Cowboys this week, because the Storm still aren't full, at full strength. Obviously, Pabahouse and their most electric players out of the lineup, but with Hughes back on board, assuming he plays with Munster, Grant, you know, in the form that he is this season, and I think that their forward pack is going to get a real rocket this weekend. I expect the Storm to be pretty much at their best, and, you know, credit to the Cowboys. They're going to compete, I'm sure, if they can get, 
you know, and, and make it a battle early and compete with the Storm early in this game. They're going to be fighting for every metre like they have been all season. But I think some of these young players and the, these young forward pack from the Cowboys are going to get a bit of a lesson from some of their their opposition numbers and the veterans that the Storm have in their forward pack. Guys like the Bromwiches, um, Felice Kafusi, Big Nelson, I think he's out this week as well. So that's another loss to him. But um, I think... Kamakamika has come in, so he's not a bad replacement. Brendan Smith, I think these veterans from Melbourne are going to give these Cowboys forwards a bit of a lesson and um, make them a little bit humble this week. And not to say they're not humble, but I feel like the Storm, they don't lose two in a row often. Um, they don't lose two in a row against one club often, like they did against Penrith last week. But I think they're going to be out to make a statement this week, and I'll get the Storm dominant victors over a Cowboys team that's going to fight but ultimately be our class. I've got the Storm by 18 points on Saturday night. Man, the more I'm looking at this Super Saturday, the more it's looking and shaping up to be, you know, potentially the best Super Saturday of the season. You've got two desperate teams in the Dragons, the Warriors trying to get a win. You've got a huge game between the Cowboys and the Storm second up. But at the main event, 7.30pm, from Sydney Cricket Ground, where the Roosters are playing their finals matches before their new stadium opens at the end of the season against South Sydney, but Sydney Cricket Ground, 7.30, the Roosters hosting the Penrith Panthers, and, you know, it's going to be an ultimate test there for the Roosters. They're versing their benchmark in the competition, and the Panthers showed it last week. Dominant victories, uh, victory over the Melbourne Storm. It's good to see Luai and Cleary get some footy in their legs and get back to their best football. I mentioned to kick off the show how good Targo and the like have been at the backs there. Taylor May has been enormous this year. Stephen Croydon, Brian Toes, you know, as good as ever, their back five are really delivering. Edwards making 200, 300 metres every game. And they're just getting the, the Panthers on the front foot and, and letting their forward pack dominate the opposition because the opposition are getting fatigued with those back five. So, um, you know, the likes of Isaiah Yo kick out was enormous again last weekend. There's just champions everywhere you look in this Penrith team at the moment. And it's going to be hard for anyone to compete with them in the Premiership race this year. But... The Roosters, for mine at the start of the team, were one of the teams that I think really could have took it to the Panthers. In fact, I predicted the Roosters to win the Premiership, and it's safe to say they haven't delivered on those expectations, but it was a big win last Sunday afternoon against the Parramatta Eels. I thought they were really good, and it was one of their best performances of the season, if not their best. Victor Radley's a huge out this week. He's injured again, but... um, you know, I feel like their forward pack had probably their best all-round performance last weekend. Cried and Tupanua starting to play some good football. Nat Butcher is one of the most underrated forwards in this competition. And Hargraves is still pumping out some big numbers. I'm not a fan of Hargraves, never have been as a CF Sydney supporter. But he is massive in everything that the Roosters do. But missing Sam Verrills, then a genuine number nine is going to hurt him. But we know Connor Watson's a hard worker. Tedesco has been in electric form, and I feel like their halves finally got it going a little bit last week. Walker and Cleary, I think, had their best... Uh, Walker and Keary, sorry. I thought had their best game playing together that they have had in their careers so far. And, um, you know, they're still both trying to take the line off and, and play in their natural game, but I think it's clear that Keary is more of the game manager at this point, and Walker's more of the... Uh, the explosive running 5'8 that he can be that can break lines apart, which he did last weekend against Parramatta. So, you know, it's going to take a while still for Kiri to warm up to that halfback role, and I don't know if he's got it in 
him to be a genuine halfback for the rest of his career. Um, you know, we've seen him at his best, like in the 2018 Grand Final, where Cooper Cronk was on one arm carry his football team. But it's going to be the ultimate test this weekend against the Panthers. And what I'm looking forward to in this game, um, you know, I love the Ford matches, but this week I'm looking forward to that half battle because Walker and Keary, as I mentioned, we've we've all known they haven't been at their best in terms of their combination this year. And it was much improved last week, but they're versing the New South Wales halves, two of the best halves in the competition. It's going to be a trial by fire. It's going to be the ultimate test for those Roosters halves. It's going to be interesting to see they responded. I'm really excited as well by the battle of the young kids in this game. I mean, we all know how great Targo and, and May are going, but Suwali for the Roosters is really starting to come into his own as a first grader, finishing a lot of tries, but doing a lot of hard work in the middle of the field as well. And um, I think his game's grown tenfold in the last month. So um, it's going to be a good battle. It's going to be a good battle on the weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I think the Roosters will be up for it, just like they were up for it on, against the Eels. But the Roosters' start to their game is of you know the most crucial importance because when the Panthers get a run on and get early momentum, they're almost impossible to stop. So the Roosters really need to find a way to be aggressive early, but not too aggressive, and really just put Penrith off their game. If they can do that, I think they're going to be in the contest for the long haul. But if the Panthers can get early momentum and, and score uh, tries quickly and in the first 20 minutes of the game, I think the Roosters are really going to struggle to keep up the pace with them. I've got the Panthers by 12, but I think, the, as I mentioned, the Roosters will be up for the fight. I expect a performance similar to what we saw in their game against the the Eels, but the Panthers, they are, they are the benchmark of the competition for a reason. They've got no injuries pretty much at the moment, and they're just flying um, the Panthers by 12 for mine. Two games left of the round, and Sunday afternoon, 40 will kick off at 2 p.m. Hopefully this round we get a little bit more sunshine than what we saw in Magic Round, but from Dubbo, Apex Oval, in Dubbo, the Sydney Rabbitohs taking their home game out there to host the Canberra Raiders. And, you know, South Sydney last week, they were electric in the first half, dominant against the Warriors. They were making easy metres. Um, and then, like we've seen for pretty much all this season, they, they couldn't string the 80-minute performance together. They were, like, they were kind of like their opponents this week in the Raiders at certain points of the season where they get a big league at half-time and, and can't contain it. And, you know, the Damien cook Sydney near the end didn't help, but... The Rabbitohs were lucky to beat the Warriors and win that game of football, which is very concerning for all us South Sydney fans, myself included, because uh, when you're 32-6 up in a contest, you should go on with it and should be big winners, but South Sydney weren't that. They let their focus, their, their focus wasn't there, their urgency wasn't there, and you know defensively, they weren't up for the battle. They wanted to win the easy way, and it, they almost paid the price, South Sydney. So Jacob Post was a big loss. Um, early in the game last weekend with that broken arm and um, Trent Peoples who played really good in that defeat and probably will see our Sydney's best player a fortnight go in that big loss to the Broncos he'll start in the second row um, overall it's a pretty similar team to what we saw running out last week and they're still missing their inspirational leader in Cam Murray Latrell Mitchell still not back and um, you know Cody Nikarima had a little bit of an impact last week on on the contest, but if you know the Rabbitohs are in trouble, they can call on him. And I'm still not 100% convinced that Ilias starting him at the moment is the best option. He's got a lot of promise and he's got a big career in the NRL in the future, but I don't know if he's ready for the week in, week out, you know, contact and, and pressure that being a rugby league player has with it. So, you know, he's handling it well, but at the same time, see us need a little bit more and. 
you know, I think that moving Taft there could be a, a better short-term option. But, you know, I can also understand where CS are coming from, that if they drop Elias, it could, you know, dampen his confidence a little bit. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how South Sydney respond. To the, the point is, because, as I said, that second half was atrocious. And if they're going to be finalists in 2022, they need to be better. They need to be better consistently. And their opponents were better last week. The Canberra Raiders, under all sorts of pressure, they've now won two games in a row. Admittedly, one of them was against the Bulldogs. But that victory on Sunday afternoon against the Sharks was huge. And I thought that Snyder had one of his best games in first grade. Um, defensively, they really aimed up. And the, the like Talakai was, was shut down. Snyder was a big part of that as well. But um, their forward pack, just out-infused... Cronulla early in the contest and you know I I think that this is the Canberra that I thought that I'd see at the start of the year what we saw last weekend they've got their best player coming back in Jack Warden this week and you know I think South Sydney got to be wary because it's gonna it could be hot conditions there in, in Dubbo and um, you know as I mentioned Canberra were just so relentless with the footy in hand and making metres and their defence was excellent last week against Cronulla that CS could be in a bit of trouble. I thought Zach Wolford had a great debut at hooker. Where did he come from, Simon's son? I mean, he's just flown through the grades. So there's a couple of promising young kids heading into this game. But the big news for me coming out of the Canberra camp is that Stein has been dropped. Um, and, and Matt Frawley is going to play halfback and Jack Wyden is going to play 5-8. I think you run into the same problem that the Roosters have at the moment where you got two 5-8s trying to be, you know, Halfbacks and getting each other's way. Wyden, he's got to continue his running game. So if Ricky Stewart thinks that Frawley can control the team, it's worth a shot. Uh, but I thought Snyder was doing an, an excellent job covering for Fogarty there. So it'll be interesting to see um, what you know intensity these two bring into the contest because they're both very inconsistent, the Rabbitohs and the Raiders. And I feel like this game isn't going to be close. I feel like one team's going to show up, one team's not. How can you tip either with confidence based on what we've seen this year? Now, the effort was there for the Raiders last week. It's about maintaining that for 80 minutes and the same as South Sydney for their first half and they had to maintain and they couldn't. So, um, I'm, I'm very tempted to tip the way of Canberra, especially after that huge win last week, but I feel like Cody Walker still the captaincy on him. I think he's going to drag South Sydney over the line. I think is just going to have enough they over the top of the Raiders, but um, as I mentioned, I don't know if it's going to be close because I feel like the mental battle that both these teams go through and, and how they go in and out of contest is concerning. So I'm going to go the Rabbitohs by 18, but it's not an insult on the Raiders because if I was tipping the Raiders, it would be by 18 as well. So um, big battle this weekend. Both of these teams need a win to uh, continue their top eight chances. See, after five and five, the Raiders with three wins, um, so they need a big contest, a big performance. Uh, is it three wins or is it four wins for the Raiders? Four wins. So the Raiders are right in the top eight battle if they can win and get over CF Sydney this weekend. But as I mentioned, I'm just going to go CFs um, and trust that, you know, they that last week, last weekend's second half performance isn't going to be an indication of how they're going to play in this contest. And they should, if they get a big lead, treat it more seriously this week. And round 11 concludes at 4.05pm on Sunday afternoon from Seabus Super Stadium where the Gold Coast Titans host the Cronulla Sharks. And they're going to head in that contest with a win and they needed it because they'd lost uh, 
several in a row. I think it was a six loss in a row there for the Titans, and pressure is really getting to the likes of Justin Holbrook and everyone at the organisation. But it was a big win over the Dragons last weekend. They started that game full of energy, and they need to do a similar job if they're going to get over Cronulla this week because um, we know Cronulla weren't at their best. And, you know, the, the move to Hines back to fullback and putting Trimble in at halves didn't really work. They, they didn't seem like they were in the contest early. Their defensive efforts were poor, and really it was the worst performance I've seen by Cronulla since Craig Fitzgibbon took the helm there at the start of the season. So they, they need to be better um, consistently. We know what they're capable of, and they're capable of, you know, challenging the heavyweights this competition when they're on their game. But last weekend was not one of those times, and... Um, it, it was hopefully it's a learning lesson for the Cronulla that they've got to not underestimate their opponents and I think that that's what they did they didn't respect the Raiders and the Raiders made them pay for it they've named Lachlan Miller young kid at fullback this week he'll get his first go in the top division as Hines shifts back into the halves and um, their big inspirational leader in Dale Finucane's out this weekend so he's a big loss for him and again they can't you know disrespect their opponents because I really liked the enthusiasm that the Titans showed in the first 20 or 30 minutes in that game against the Dragons. I thought it was the best that they've looked all season. Brimson coming back in the 5'8", I, I criticised the the change because I thought it was going so good at 5'8", uh, at fullback, but he really um, he really brought that form over. Campbell was great at fullback, 266 metres, and you know Sexton could just play his natural game, and they're big forwards, Mo Fodawaker and big Tino Fasilamali, and Bo Firmo at it. Or just dominate the big dragons forwards, and that's the effort areas that the Titans have struggled to uh, have consistently this season. So if they continue that, I think they're going to be right in this game against the the Sharks. And as I mentioned, the Sharks at the moment, it's just got to be better in week in week out. And you know, as we mentioned, we all know what they're capable of. That, that game against Cronulla early in the season showed that the Sharks are one of the most exciting teams in the in the game, but. Last weekend, uh, they, they disrespected the Raiders, and they needed to be better. And I think that Hines, you could see the visible disappointment on his face last weekend. Their forward pack need to aim up, because if Fodawaker and, and Big Tino challenge their forward pack early, then it could be another long afternoon for Cronulla. So I've got Cronulla win this game just on the, the star power and um, you know expectations on their shoulders to, to bring out a better performance last week. But... Gold Coast are up in this game with a big chance of an upset. I think that is, is entirely possible. And if they start with that same energy that they did against the Dragons last weekend, an upset could be on the cards. I've got Cronulla by four points, though. I think um, they're experienced, and I think that Hines um, can lead them over the line. And, you know, it's going to be tough these next couple of weeks without Kennedy and Jesse Ramian still. But, you know, I think that if they're going to be, you know, a threat to this Premiership, it, they need a, a big backup performance this week um, to prove that last week was an outlier and not what we're going to be seeing week in, week out from Cronulla. So I've got Cronulla by four points in this one. All right, so those are my footy tips for round 11 of the Telstra Premiership. Just to recap, I've gone the Broncos beating the Knights in dominant fashion on Thursday night football. The Tigers being too good for the Bulldogs to kickstart the Friday night matches. Parramatta bouncing back against Manly. Super Saturday, I've got the Warriors upsetting the Dragons. The Storm bouncing back against the Cowboys. And the Premiers, the reigning, defending, almost unbeatable Premiers at the moment, the Penrith Panthers, um, winning a very entertaining match against a very competitive Sydney Roosters team. Sunday football, I've gone South Sydney to, uh, to continue to, to build on their season with a win over the Canberra Raiders and Cronulla bouncing back 
against the Gold Coast Titans. Those are my tips for round 11. Let's move over to the Supercoach corner now. And another tough week for me last week. I captain Tom Serber, and we all saw what happened there. So I think it was a tough week for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people will get you on this week. Junior Tupo from the Tigers. If he can play three games, could be a, a genuine cheapie. But if it wasn't clear, and I didn't say it last week, I'll say it again this week. Isaiah Papali, he he's a must-have. If you don't have him, get him in. He I know he scored two tries, and that inflated his score last week. But he's, without a doubt, probably the best forward you can get in either the front row or the second row. So I'll be getting him in. Um, <clears throat> Tommy Turbo, what to do? He's got a break-even 166. I am going to hold. Um, I've got other issues in my team. Somehow we've got to fix these centers, guys, but we'll see how that goes. Um, ben Trojevic is a big out this week as well, so I need to fix that problem. But uh, overall, I think that uh, this week's going to be an improvement come in Supercoach. And to be honest, I'm more concerned about my footy tips. Four out of eight last week. Extremely disappointing. All right, moving on to the best of the week now. And didn't get the job done last week, but this week I think we can change that tide. And I think the upset of the week, without a doubt, is the New Zealand Warriors. 235 head-to-head against the Dragons. I really like it. I'd be um, putting some money on that. If you want to mold it up, I think the Broncos at $1.45 are um, special. So my bet of the week this week, the Brisbane Broncos, the New Zealand Warriors, $3.40. Jump on it. All right, that is Steve's NRL footy tips for round 11. As I mentioned, to kick off the show, round 13. State of Origin Spectacular podcast. We're going to be previewing both of them. We might split them in half, but I'm going to have a panel of some of my former guests and some new guests, hopefully, as well, on the show. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Next week on the show, I'm going to name my State of Origin team for both New South Wales and Queensland, so check that out. Enjoy your football this week, and then I'll see you next time on Steve's NRL Footy Tips.